0: Hey, this is Matthew Pryfogle. Thanks for tuning in to the Thrive Ministries podcast. I hope you like it. I hope it brings you encouragement and brings you closer in your walk with Christ. Well, if you know anything about me at all, uh, you should know that I love to drive. All right. When I turned 16, right, getting my driver's license was huge. I mean, this is a monumental part of my life. I mean, huge moment in a young Matthew life here. <laughs> just just a huge part because, you know, having your license at 16, I mean it meant it meant freedom. It meant, you know, I, I had my own little place, my own little area where it was just me. And I loved it. My first car was was a nineteen eighty seven black Pontiac Sunbird. It had four cylinders, two liter. Yeah. 2.0 liter four cylinder. Oh, they had a sunroof CD player. That car was amazing. All right. Um, but yeah, I love that thing. And what blows me away is kids today, they, they don't drive like it's just not on their radar to get a license and drive. Like I cannot wrap my head around this. Okay. Listen to this. I read this. uh, I came across this article last week. Listen to this. About a quarter, 25%, about a quarter of 16-year-olds in the United States had a driver's license in 2017. Now, that's a sharp decline from nearly half in 1983. So in 1983, half of all 16-year-olds in the United States had a license. In today's world, 25%. So instead, the article goes on to explain uh, teens today are using ride hailing services like Uber and Lyft to shuttle them around town. Um, At the same time, social media and video chat let them hang out with friends without actually leaving the house. This makes no sense to me like at all. All right. Driving is freedom. Driving is relaxing. Driving is is fun driving is, is all these things to me. And it's been that way for the longest time. You know, I had a best friend in high school. His name is Chad. And he and I, um, <laughs> like, like for fun, this is back in the early nineties. It was a different world back then, but for fun, we would go to used car dealerships and we would pretend that we were kids going away to college and we need a car for college. And these sales guys, they had money signs in their, in their eyes. It's all they saw. And so they throw us the keys to whatever it is we wanted to drive. And, um, yeah, we, we did that all the time. In fact, um, my friend Chad, that's how he learned how to drive a stick. You know, we went and got a five speed something or other, and that's how he learned how to drive was, was, uh, driving it, you know, when we, um, would go and, and, uh, and, borrow these cars. But it's like that's just how we were, man. We loved to drive. Having a car was just the world to us. All right. Um and I've always been that way. I've always enjoyed cars. I've always driving. At least I thought I did. Until last year we took a trip to Chicago. All right. Let me tell you some stats. Nearly three million people live in Chicago. Several hundred thousand commute in and out every single week. Um, the week we were there, all those people, those three million people, those hundreds of thousands commuting in and out, they had one job. All right, that job was to make me miserable. <laughs> that's that's all they that's all they were there for was to make me as miserable as I could be. I I'm telling you, man, on that trip. I said things, I thought about things, I had to repent of when I came back home. I mean it was it was rough, man. That that trip was rough on me. But but it it occurred to me that for some reason when we're behind the wheel of a car, that it doesn't matter if we have a got Jesus bumper sticker, there's something that happens that turns us into raging monsters when we're behind the wheel of our car, man. It's crazy. But oftentimes it's not the most glamorous portrait of who we are, right? I mean, sometimes situations happen and, and we don't exactly show our best sides. But, you know, what, what's that? What, what happens when that affects how the world looks at us, how we, how we handle ourselves and how we treat people and react to certain situations? How do other people respond to that? You know, there, there's that old cliche, you're the only Bible some people see. But it is true, right? It really is. And the hard thing is that right now, man, it's kind of hard to be a Christian. It's not exactly easy to be a follower of Jesus. I mean, it kind of feels like, you know, Christians are getting pushed down. We're getting smothered. It kind of feels like, you know, if someone finds out you go to church, then you're kind of a bad guy, you know, like you're kind of, you're some kind of hate-filled monster, Anybody else get that vibe or is it is it just me? Because I get that vibe right now. But but the good thing is that um the Bible has us covered in this. God's got our back, man. And and that kind of brings me to what I want to talk about today, and that is um a verse in the book of First Peter. All right. Now, if you don't know what, what First Peter is about, first Peter is a book in the Bible. <laughs> and uh Peter, you know, was was a apostle of Christ. He was on earth and walked with Christ, traveled with him, all this stuff. But um when Peter's writing this, he is in Rome. And the church is spreading through now what is modern-day Turkey. All right? And this is what Peter writes at the very beginning of 1 Peter, cuz I think this is important. Peter writes to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. All right, so all of those basically make up what is now Turkey. And and if you take a step back and you kind of look at it through the lens of that, Peter is writing this to a group of people that are scattered throughout a very diverse land over a wide area. You know, it kind of sounds familiar when you look at it that way because i think we could consider ourselves a group of people that are scattered around an area that's very big and very diverse and so i think first peter is written directly for people like us people that are that are struggling people that are maybe you know frustrated with what's going on and maybe you know some of first peter is a reminder of who we are in christ and how we should act because of that, and that's kind of what a lot of First Peter is. It's like a guide. It's like a, a, a set of morals that maybe we should follow. And so I, I want to start um, in First Peter chapter one, and I'm going to look at verse fifteen today. But let me get you caught up to verse fifteen. All right, I, I think this is kind of important because so far up to verse fifteen, Peter kind of lays it out that we are given a new birth into a living hope. All right. We receive this new birth. We receive this new uh, living hope when when Jesus died on the cross. All right, now you may see those words new and hope. It's not a Star Wars thing. It's a gift. It's a gift of being reborn into something better because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. All right. So Peter tells us that this gift is an inheritance. It's an inheritance that will never perish. It will never spoil. It will never fade. It's it's in heaven. It's waiting for you. And he tells us that the, the inheritance that's waiting for you, that's waiting for us in heaven, is far better than anything earth has to offer. It's, it's better than gold. It's better than money. It's better than new TVs. It's better than new cars. It's better than all of this. So what we have in heaven waiting for us uh, through the sacrifice of, that Jesus made on the cross, it cannot compare to what this world can offer. So so Peter is is writing all of this, and these are some pretty uplifting words. These are some pretty uplifting ideas because he's reminding us to fix on what we've got coming for us in heaven, right? Even though we suffer, even though we experience all sorts of things that can bring us down, Peter is telling us to rejoice because we'll be given the ultimate gift which is our salvation, right? Our eternal life. We get that. That's awesome. And so I want to take a step back, you know, um the church where I'm at, Walton Christian Church, we had a um we had a Monday Thursday service and it was this really cool, really powerful freeing moving service all right we we talked about the last supper and we highlighted some of the things that went on you know all this happens right before easter right before the resurrection but but the monday thursday service we wanted to talk about the last supper some of the things that went on at the last supper you know we talked about the the washing of the feet and how jesus showed us how to serve one another we talked about communion and and some other stuff but the whole gist of the service was that at some point Jesus was going to get up from the table, and he was going to go out the door? He's going to get up, he's going to walk out the door, and within 24 hours he would be arrested, he would be beaten, and he would be killed. All right. And so the question we had was: when he gets up and he walks out the door, what's he gonna? What are you going to send with him? What sin are you going to send with Jesus when he goes to the cross? All right. And then. We had people come up, write that sin down, write whatever is holding them back down. Um, for me, it was the word failure. All right, so so I wrote the word failure down. We had people write theirs down, stick a nail through it, and then hammer it in the cross. And let me tell you, some people when they came up, man, they were they were really seriously swinging at that nail. But uh, the next day, we came in and we we took all those pieces of paper down, we put them in a pot, we burned them. And we replace them with white paper because that's what Jesus did. He washes us clean of all this stuff that we hold on to. And that's what Peter is telling us is that that we should rejoice in this new hope that Jesus gives us. That we don't have to hang on to these things that bring us down, that bring us heartache, that bring us hurt. Um, And so that brings us to what I want to talk about. Uh, 1 Peter 15-16 through Says this, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I'm holy. So, first of all, let's review real quick that the word holy is a church word. You know, we don't really use that word outside of church, but holy is a church word. And it simply means to be set apart. All right, God is set apart from us. All right, Because of what Jesus did for us, we are set apart from the rest of the world. So that's what it means. That's what holy means. So that being said, do you ever read something in the Bible? Or do you ever hear about someone talk about something in the Bible and you say to yourself, are you kidding me? Seriously? I can't even drive down the road without flying into a fit of rage. And yet I'm supposed to be holy. How am I supposed to be holy? I mean, does Peter know how hard it is? Does he understand what we go through every single day and what a challenge that can be? You know, for someone that did not travel around with Jesus everywhere, I mean, does Peter know and fully grip that we're all broken, that we're all imperfect people? We cannot possibly live up to being holy. I mean, we just can't. I mean, clearly when Peter wrote this, he clearly never had to deal with Walmart the day before a major holiday, right? You ever notice when you go to Walmart the day before a major holiday, it doesn't matter where you are. That is exactly when they decide to restock everything, right? It's the busiest day and that's when they think, let's roll out the giant pallets and we'll park them right in front of what you want to look at. You know, you're just you're trying to shop. You're trying to get these things. You got family coming over. You got all this stuff. It's all stressy. And then you go there, and they just they bring out these pallets and they put them right in front of you. It's not exactly the kind of environment that's conducive to being holy, right? I mean, it's kind of like driving around in Chicago. It's just it just kind of brings out the worst in us. But you know what? When I read this verse, First uh, Peter fifteen and sixteen. Um, be holy because I'm holy. When I read that, I, I don't know when it happened. I don't know what I was studying at the time. I don't know what I was listening to at the time, but I wrote in my Bible three words. And I think it perfectly sums up what this scripture is saying. And that is, mind your witness. Mind your witness. All right. So, what I'm talking about is this, you know, if if you go to church, that's awesome. If not, you know, uh, when you're out to eat, when you're at your job, are you mindful of who you are in Christ? Are you fully aware that the words you use, the way you act towards others is a reflection of the love and grace that Jesus has for you? All right, do your actions reflect your heart? You know, I think we as Christians, I'm talking, you know, capital C church, the body of Christ. I think, I really honestly think we should be doing a much better job of reflecting who we are in Jesus. I mean, I mean, seriously, if we're all in, we should be the most joyful, the most loving, the most complimentary, the most encouraging group of people there are right uh, in fact if you're in first Peter you know if you look back up chapter 1 verse 8 Peter writes that if you believe in Jesus you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy all right do we really reflect that? are we always filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy right And this can be so hard because we are all we're all broken we're all faulty, you know, and and sometimes it is so hard to mind your witness when it seems like you're surrounded by people that are trying to make that as hard as possible. You know, I worked a job one time where every single person in that office, you know, basically hated each other, right? I mean, a lot of the problem was that the preferred form of communication was email and, you know, you can't decipher tone and email and all this stuff, but it was just this hate, filled vile place where no one was happy everyone gossiped about each other and it was just the worst I mean it was just absolutely just the worst and it can be such a challenge to be holy in that kind of place to mind our witness when we're surrounded by people and our jobs our friends or even family for that matter but Peter is telling us that that because of who we are in the eyes of God, that he loved us so much. He sent his son to die for us so that we may not perish, but have eternal life. All right, Because of these things and the treasures that are built up in heaven that are far better than anything here on earth, we should be filled with an inexpressible joy that just spills out of us. So that's my question. Do you, Do you mind your witness? Are you reflecting the love that God has for you in everything you do? you know are are you holding on to these sins? Are you holding on to these things that are keeping you from a real relationship with Jesus and it's, and it's affecting your witness? It's affecting how you are with other people. you know've I've talked a lot about actions, about doing things, how we are and, and what we say and all this stuff. But, you know, sometimes our inactions can have an effect as well. You know, on Mondays, I like to work at the library. And one time I was at the library recently and this guy comes up and he thinks he recognizes me. And so we start talking and he just unloads on me, he talks about his He had this uh, aneurysm that caused this stroke, and he and his wife got divorced. And because he's on all this medication, he had to give up his job. And their son is having all these issues, and it was just one thing after another. The guy's crying. And so I stood up, put my arm around him, like, do you mind if I pray for you, man? And so we prayed right there in the library. But, you know, later on that day, and, and don't get me wrong, please, I'm not... Telling the story to pat myself on the back, please understand that. But I was, I was thinking later on in the day, what if I would have ignored him? You know, when I'm at the library, I got my headphones on, I'm focused on doing whatever. What if I ignored this guy and didn't give him the time of day? You know, where would that leave him? Right. So sometimes our inactions can can be a witness too, just by by not, you know, in a bad way. They can be. they can, they, can, uh, they can affect people like that. But Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, one of my very favorite verses in the Bible, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Right? What if every time you went to the store, to the grocery, to the mall, you made the conscious decision to let your light shine, to mind your witness, all right. Do you think the cashier that's uh, ringing you up, that's having a bad day is purposely trying to be rude to you? I don't know. Show her some love, man. You know, I, I got a friend, he ran into a cashier having a bad day and he went back in the store, bought some flowers and gave her flowers and was like, you know what? I can see you're having a bad day. I hope this helps. You know, things like that. You know, what if at your job, you are more compassionate to that one person that doesn't Seem to have any compassion in them? You know, what kind of effect would that have? What if every time you went out to eat, you prayed with your family? You know, mind your witness. What a great opportunity to show the world that despite what the rest of the world says, it's okay to be a Christian, it's okay to be a follower of Jesus, right? What if you made it your goal every single day? To witness, to mind your witness to your family. Because they're the ones that are the closest to us. They see us the most, and that also means they see us at our worst. But what if we tried our best to witness to our families every single day? All right, I believe the more aware you are of your actions and how those actions reflect your relationship with Christ, the more aware you are, the closer You'll get to Jesus. All right. So go out, be the church, mind your witness, right? Because Jesus went to the cross to give you freedom and to fill you with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Be holy because I am holy. Mind your witness. Would you pray with me? Lord and Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you went to the cross for us. I thank you that you went to the cross for us to fill us. With an inexpressible and glorious joy, Lord. And I pray that, that when we go out, when we're in the world, that we can mind our witness, that we can show other people the love you have for us and how we react in search, certain situations, how we deal with people, how we treat others, and the words we use. All these things, Lord, I pray that we, we do it and we do it to give you glory. All right, not to make us look good, but so that your light can shine through and people can praise you for what we do because of you. Lord, we love you so much. You are amazing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We'll try and do these every single week, so stay tuned. Thanks for listening, and God bless.